0: Welcome to another podcast of Break Out the Truth. I'm Corey Mitchell. Demetrius Kilpatrick. I'm glad that you have tuned in to listen to another subject that we're going to talk about and talk about the truth of the scriptures. And um, you came up with a a great idea of something to talk about tonight. And uh, so I guess we can dive right in. If you want to give an intro or maybe read the scriptures.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: Matthew 7, 21 and 22. Called the scariest scariest scriptures in the Bible, right? Right? Yeah. So yeah, if you want
1: to start us off with that. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Now, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, cast out demons in your name, and do mighty works in your name. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of
0: lawlessness. All right, so right off the bat, we can figure out why. So many people have talked about how scary this verse is and because it sounds like good people that follow Jesus are not going to be allowed into heaven. If you're just talking about why would that be scary? This verse is not scary to me. It's not scary to me. because I understand the rest of chapter 7. A, you always don't ever look at something out of context. Um, but at the same time, I do understand why people say this because you're seeing a conversation um, what we would say, it's not in heaven because sinners won't be in heaven. This is judgment day and you can almost look at it as if it was a courtroom and these people had just been sentenced to hell and they think that that's unfair or they think Jesus didn't rem- didn't know what he was doing and they're saying, wait a minute, we belong in heaven, right? They're arguing. Mm-hmm. It's a, It's like an appeal. They're the, the sentence is, you're convicted of being sinners, and you're going to hell. And their appeal is, wait a minute, Jesus. We did a bunch of really good stuff in your name. And so, we belong in heaven. Already, there's an attitude problem here that's not right. Uh, and so, uh, this, is, this is why people identify with it and say, boy, that's scary. I hope that's not me one day, right? Well, then you probably... Um, you need to increase your faith through knowledge, which is what we do on this podcast, that if you trust in Jesus fully, you're not going to be in this position to have to convince Jesus that you know him or that you follow him. Anyone that would have to be on this side of things, well, there's no better way to say it. They already know. Right. They already know that they either completely missed Jesus somewhere in their life and now they're in a predicament. Or they thought, well, we're going to get into all this. Or someone taught them incorrectly that this salvation was such this easy thing, kind of what we say about the sinner's prayer uh, or the VBS card or the preacher did all this for you and just said, congratulations, see you in heaven. None of those things are biblical salvation repeat after me this prayer, see you in heaven. That's not how this works. Um, you know, it, it's, it's literally not. Of course, we'll, we'll show that uh, through the scriptures here. Um, but okay, so, so we've read that. That's chapter seven of Matthew 21 and 22. Now just really quickly, if we just go back just a little bit uh, to verse 13. Now you gotta remember, this is Jesus teaching. Here's what he says in verse 13 of this same chapter, Matthew 7. Enter through the narrow gate. Uh, picture, um, picture anything uh, that you would be going into uh, that is fully fenced and had this little gate where only one person at a time could go in. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got to think about this. The narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction. So here's a marker that Jesus has given us. If it's too easy, it's too easy, right? Right. If you're you're not having to really think that it's a treasure, salvation is just, well, it looks like everybody's saved to me. If you're on the wide road that has a big gate that's always open, mm, Jesus says that's destruction. If you have literally, a lot of times, found you to be by yourself looking for this little way, like, It's so hard to find the way into heaven. I'm by myself. I feel lonely. And you find Christ. You understand why it's a narrow gate and why it's just through him and why you really come alone. You come by yourself. So he says that. And then uh, after he says uh, that broad is the road that leads to destruction and many will enter through it. The majority of people are not going to heaven. We tell ourselves that. Um, there's 250 million Christians in America. Mm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna say I doubt that. i doubt that because the population, um, the documented population, is 360 million somewhere in there. So you're saying 250 million of those are Christians? We're one of the most evil doing nations on the planet, right? And it's not just a few people. Like it is the whole attitude. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to say we've got to stop telling everybody they're saved because they're Americans. That's one thing that's got to happen. If you're outside of the church, you're not saved. If you don't uh, believe in Jesus, you're not saved. If you don't believe in the word of God, you're not saved. Like there are so many things that we can take everybody off that big road that looks so easy and say, you really need to look at yourself or you're gonna face 21 and 22. You're gonna think you deserved heaven, and you're gonna find out you missed Jesus altogether. You didn't go through the narrow gate. You're didn't. you you're like, I went with everybody else. Okay, well, the Bible and the truth tells us, uh, which is Jesus Christ, that a lot, many's gonna go through that wide gate, and then once again, he reiterates in verse 14, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life Uh Uh-oh, and only a few find it. To me,
1: that's scary.
0: There you go. Now we're talking about something that, for believers, it's the reason why it talks about salvation being a treasure, that you find out there's a treasure in a field, so you buy the whole field, right? When you find out there's a treasure in salvation and you don't have to be condemned any longer, you'll do anything you can to attain it. And you'll think of it as such a a um, a treasure that Jesus Christ and your knowledge of Him and your ability to to give Him your old self and Him to give you salvation in return is so much different than the wide road where it's like, well, my grandma took me to church all those years and I'm pretty sure I got saved and the pastor told me I was saved and I got baptized and. Uh, Well, when's the last time you went to church? Oh, I don't know. I was probably eight years old. Well, how old are you now? Fifty-six? Okay, well, there's a problem here, right? There's not that church saves you, but but where was your desire to be around the people of God? Where was your desire uh, to gain in knowledge of Christ? What works did you do or what commandments did you know about or follow that would show you as a follower of Christ? And you can say, well, that doesn't sound right. That's not what I was told. I was told free gift of salvation. Jesus paid for my sins uh, and I believe that. Okay, well, you can believe a lot of things. A lot of kids uh, before the age of 10 also believe in something around Christmas time. They believe it with all their heart. It's not going to do them any good. We talk, you know, about Christmas and, and Santa and all this. So. Listen, believing that Jesus historically was real, or even that he's real, it's not the same thing as believing in him or on him. Well, some atheists historically
1: have figured out that he is real. Just because you think he's real doesn't mean doesn't get you saved.
0: Right. Histo- Satan believes in Christ. Right. He knows him personally. Right. He knows right. him. He knows who he is. All the angels do, and they're not saved. They can't be saved. They can't be saved. So, knowing and believing that Jesus is real is not salvation. In the book of
1: James, tells us that demons even believe and they shudder. They're terrified.
0: Terrified. Humans are not terrified. So, that shows you that you really don't know. You don't know that Christ holds all the authority. And he's chosen to be the gate. Which is good, once again, if your eyes are opened. If the one who holds the authority for me to go to hell or go to heaven is the gate, then that's good for me because I can say to him, I I appreciate your authority. I give you the authority over my life. I'm a wreck. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against the father. I'm sorry for most sins. I'm going to do my best to turn and repent from those because of you, because I have met you, Jesus Christ. And my, the way I exalt you is through my life getting better. That's a narrow path. And that's, that's knowing that that gate of Jesus Christ is hard to attain. He had to step down out of heaven, leave his glory, um, leave his authority, come down, become like me, hurt, get bit by mosquitoes. You know, I think about all that stuff that then the creator of the universe had to, like, come down and experience the bad part of it.
1: Being mocked,
0: persecuted. Yeah, not to min- Yeah, the, no. what the humans did to him and just shamed him. And he did all of that, and then he stands at the gate and says, listen, if you partake of that, you know, this is where uh, he run ran a lot of people off, is like, you have to partake of my sacrifice for you, which he says, eat of my body, drink of my blood. What he meant is, your sustenance spiritually is what I did on that cross. You're going to make a meal, an eternal life meal, and your health relies on you believing that my body was broken for you and believing my blood poured out for you, in an exchange for your soul. If you partake of that, in full belief in me, then I'm letting you through this gate. Yeah, and yeah, it works, that, right?
1: Right. That's what many people say they leave the churches because that reason right there. They don't want to part like the Lord's Supper. Right. They don't, they think it's cultish. Like, you know how cold song, Yeah, but that's not what we're talking. That's not how it goes. That's
0: because it's been taught improperly. It it's it's a beautiful thing. My goodness, if you sit through uh, a Lord's Supper, Last Supper, however you want to say it, uh, Communion, if you sit through that in the right frame of mind, the right attitude, and you do what Christ said, so the the instructions we got from that was. When you sit down for the Passover meal, he's talking to a whole room full of Jewish people. You've always always sat down for the Passover meal for when God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. This was yearly on the same day. Boom, boom, boom. He says, when you do this from now on, you're going to remember me because I'm about to die for everybody and pass this on to everybody. When you sit down, you take this meal, and say, Christ died, Christ spilled his blood, Christ broke his body for all of mankind. And it is uh, a replacement for the greatest thing. Before that was the Exodus. Now the greatest thing forever and ever will be Christ gave his life for us. So that's what it's supposed to be. It's not supposed to be anything else. It's a remembrance dinner. Um, We've just made it into something, a religious activity. Instead of actually, hey, let's stop what we're doing and honor Christ for what he did for us. And the Bible was, it, it, Jesus Himself instructed us to do it. So to me, Matthew 7
1: 21 we just read, I'm not right worried about that because I follow Christ fully.
0: Right. But verse 13 and 14, that's that's uh, the, the one that right there, and I and, and look, I I hope I hope this reaches ears of preachers, teachers, uh, VBS leaders, Sunday school leaders, here's what I want people to stop saying. Stop saying that everybody's going to heaven. It's, It's not been helpful. The universalist idea that all people eventually are going to end up in heaven is not true. It's not biblical. That right there, Jesus himself said only a few now, do you don't think Jesus knows What a few means And many means He knows what it means And he knows why he said it He said it as a warning That if you're not seriously Seeking him in your heart If you don't understand the gospel And that you are headed to hell And it's just That you're going Like you don't want any part of God Stop crying about not going to heaven If you don't want anything to do with God, he won't force you to be there. You can be away from him. It's automatically torment because God is the only reason we're not tormented anyway.
1: And people think of hell, they think about fire, which
0: that's that's true, but you're you're separated from God. There's no hope. There's no hope. No peace, no hope, no comfort. There's nothing to look forward to. Um not to mention the desires that you formulated here on earth, maybe it's drugs, alcohol, pornography, sex, whatever you formulated, none of that will be in hell. Like these people that think they're going to go party in hell, with what? You think there's an open bar? Like, you know what I mean? What are the, there's not going to be that stuff there. And even if it was, you will never. it says it never will quench. Your desires will never be quenched meaning you'll never be at peace with anything that you do. It, it just will go on and on and on. It's, it's just the same as we say here on earth, is the reason that the drug user doesn't stop after the first time and he gets addicted is he's chasing that first time, right? The first time felt good, second time didn't feel as good to do the drug. You keep doing it, and you're 40 years into a drug addiction trying to get the first one, and you've wasted your life. You've never quenched that. Desire to feel that again. And they all admit it. Oh, the drug stopped working for me years ago. I just can't get off of it. Well, that's a waste, right? That's that you've wasted your whole life. You don't get a do over. And the reason that that's a problem is because you never quenched what you wanted. Now, imagine eternity in hell. You chase something for eternity. That's no life. That's no life at all. And that can be. Anything. Uh, That that could be anything, but you're right. It's not just the it's not just the fire. There don't even have to be a fire in hell. You just you away from hope and anything good, and not to mention there's no rules down there.
1: It's ain't gonna be down there with his angels.
0: Right. There's no rules. It's if it's an all-out brawl, the angels are gonna win every day, you can't escape it. You can't escape it. And they're going to be mad when they get there. There's some already there. Right. The Bible says there's some already there. Says, the Satan's war- not there. Satan's not there. He's never been there. Satan's never been to hell. It's for him and his his followers. They're going there. They're going to be mad when they get there. That's see, that's see And guess what? They're scared of it too, right? Because the legion begged Christ not to send them to the abyss. And that's why he sent them into the pigs. Angels are scared of hell too. Men need to start being scared. If the angels are scared of hell, they're higher beings than us. They're higher beings, powerful. They don't want to be there either. So, So men are walking around going, oh, yeah, we're going to party in hell and writing songs about it and can't wait to get there and go, wow, if you only knew what you're saying. But that's why that narrow gate, very few are going to find it. Very few are going to find it. We ought to act like it's a big deal that we found it. Right? Christians ought to be a lot more elated that I have found the gate, and the gate is Christ, and I accept him fully for what he did. I give him all authority over my eternity because I know in his love and in, in the Father's love for me that I am rewarded with his inheritance, not because of me. And so, yeah, let, so let's go. So now that we've got to that point, I know it's not because of me that I'm going to heaven. It's 100% the work of Christ. Now... Uh, another thing before we leave Matthew 7, if you look at verses 21 and 22, I also want us to see that verse 15 says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Uh, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? He's talking about false prophets who uh, should be recognized. You should be able to recognize them because you don't go to a thorn bush to get grapes, right? But today's society, we see that people love false prophets. They love false teachers. They fill their churches and campuses. Uh, they, they tune into anything that they say and do, and they haven't recognized yet they're not doing the work of the Lord. They're only using his name. They're only using Christianity as a platform to sell books to get you to give money to them. Nice houses. Nice houses and all this stuff. And people go, well, yeah, but look what they're doing. It's like, okay, but are they doing the work of the Lord? And and so that's why uh, when Jesus says that, you workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness, those kind of phrases, he's literally saying, you're still playing for Satan's team, but you're acting like you're playing for my team and you're hurting the flock, you're hurting people by doing this. So false teachers, false preachers, and anyone who thinks that they're gonna make it to heaven because they name drop to Jesus uh, or or God somewhere on this earth.
1: In the book of James, it tells you don't be double-minded. Double-minded means you live for Satan.
0: Yeah, they you play on, play on both sides. Playing both sides, you yeah. can't play for both sides. Right, you can't serve two masters. Right, that's in the in the Bible as well. So, uh, real quick, in the book of Acts, this is Acts the eighth chapter. What we see is after the killing of Stephen, the stoning of Stephen, uh, people started leaving Jerusalem in fear. Uh, Philip being one of those who served along with Philip as as the first of the deacons, the table servers. Philip goes down into Samaria and causes a revival right he tells people about the narrow way and man there's a big movement for christ in samaria so philip's down there and and what we see here in verse 9 is a man shows up uh, named simon and uh, his title they called him simon the sorcerer it says now for some time a man named simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of samaria okay um we might call him a magician today, even though uh, I'm not trying to put magician in with sorcery. He did tricks. He did tricks. He conjured stuff. Uh, people thought he had power, and he wasn't telling them that he doesn't. He was telling them he does. He has otherworldly powers, and it says that he's amazed all these people. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, this man is the divine power known as the great power, Now, we've got problems here. Um, Of course, uh, we've been studying Ezekiel lately. In Ezekiel, God says, okay, Pharaoh, did you really say you own the Nile? Did you really say you're God on earth? I'm about to show you. So people who exalt themselves into a divine realm are, let's just say this, God's not pleased with that. Simon is saying that he is the divine power known as the great power. Now, divine means godlike. Now, it says they followed him because he had mazed them for a long time with his magic. It says, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Now, here's what we know about that statement. They're following Simon because of his magic and they're ooing and on thinking that he's from God. Now, it sounds like Simon's not correcting them. He likes that. Okay, I'm from God. Look at all the neat stuff I can do, but so they're on the wide path. If we go going back to Matthew, they're on the wide path, thinking that they're doing okay. Philip shows up with the Spirit of God in him, He shows up and he preaches Jesus Christ to them. He preaches repentance. He preaches leaving your old way, following Christ. He preaches that he's the Messiah, that he died for their sins. Once they heard that, the truth, they no longer follow Simon. That's what we're talking. Okay. There's a change in their lives. So now it said um, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. Now that's a good listen, so far, so good. This is awesome. Simon believes and is baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. Now, Philip was given um, abilities such, such as the apostles. We really don't know what all they were. But if nothing else, it was his teaching of Christ, teaching of this divine uh, forgiveness in salvation. And Simon, who was a trickster, like he's not real, right? Got to remember, he can't really do this stuff. He's learned it. He's he's a magician. He's a showman. He's seeing someone that has something real. Now, he also is following them, uh, following Philip, because Philip has a big audience. Philip's famous all of a sudden, right? Everybody's not coming to Simon's show. They're going to hear the preacher. So, Simon joins in with him. Now... Uh, 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John. These two had walked with Jesus, right? Right. This is Peter and John. Folks, you can't (laughs) deny who this is. This is um, apostles. They want to go check it out. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. And that's talking about the ones who Mm -hmm. believe, Okay. Uh, They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. We don't have any explanation on why this was like this back then, but we just know this. God had a plan, and it was right. It was right. It was right. right. So they show up, and they uh, take the believers, and now the believers have the Holy Spirit. Now listen to this. Here's where the trouble begins in verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands. Now, remember, he saw it. He has not experienced it. Uh, he offered them money. Oh my goodness! Are we getting to see the heart of Simon the sorcerer? Yep. I know it said he believed and was baptized earlier, but it seems like he was just going along with it so he could get inside. He wanted to get to Philip to find out how do I get to be like you to help my show. Right? This is this is the way you have to read this. Okay. Um, now he he says, he offers them money, and he said, This is his statement: give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Now, look, there's folks all over the nation right now that would go, Well, yeah, that's what I want to do too. Folks, this is l- listen. Stop acting like you're Peter and John that walked with Jesus. Stop. Stop putting yourself as apostles of Christ, called men of Christ mm-hmm. that spent the years with him, that learned from him, that were given special opportunities. When Christ is talking to the disciples in the gospels, that those scriptures are not for us. Not right. We're not given all these abilities that they were given. There was a purpose for that. Now, here's verse 20. Peter, he says, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Peter's discernment is all the way up. Peter's not playing around, right? Peter has dedicated himself to Christ. Not to mention, that was one of his best friends in the whole world. Not to mention, that was his Messiah and Rabbi. And not to mention, he knew that he was God and he was God sent. Peter is all on board with Christ, and he's not going to let anybody come in and mess this up. He's heard the testimony. Hey, I believed and was baptized. I followed Philip. Um, all this. All he answers is, may your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because why? Your heart is not right before God. I mean, that's... So what what we were talking about earlier, you, you were alluding to it. You can believe what you hear and not be saved. Because believing it is not the same thing as submitting, to submitting to Christ's authority, to putting him first in your life, to doing the, what Christ says to do. So Peter did not buy all of this. Now here's the good news, if we wanted good news out of this. Verse 22, Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart, for I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Peter is not a psychiatrist. He's not a philosopher. He's just a fisherman from Galilee. Mm -hmm. But because the Holy Spirit let him see, he saw that Simon had a rough life. Simon was reaching out for attention because he was bitter and he was full of sin. Satan had a stronghold on him. He made him famous. Think about our today's society. We're all pointing at Hollywood, selling their souls. Uh, How did you get so famous Mm -hmm. so fast? How did you do this? Hey, look, this Simon. Simon plugged into the devil and reaping the benefits. He was the most popular uh, guy in town. People called him divine. They couldn't believe what he could do. He sees Philip, a common man, getting a lot of attention for speaking about this Messiah, this Christ. He really just wants to add it to his act, and boy, he's willing to pay for it. Okay. Now, the reason I bring this up, Simon is caught before he dies. Peter Peter catches him trying to do what Matthew 7, 21 and 22 is talking about. Those people have already entered into eternity that Jesus says, I don't know you. You tried to pull a fast one. You tried to Mm -hmm. merchandise me. Like you're doing the devil's work wearing a Jesus t-shirt and you think you get in heaven. Simon was going to do that. Peter sees him and goes, "Hey, man, repent." That means give up your sorcery act, give up everything, and then you will be a follower of Christ. And Simon doesn't have to face Jesus at the judgment. Going, but 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 remember when Philip came to town and I followed him, and he might have bought some meals, right? He was probably rich. He probably bought some meals for people, right? Did good things, and and then. Peter and John showed up, and uh, and Jesus would be like, yeah, what did Peter tell you? Because Peter follows me. What did he tell you? Well, he told me that I was doing wrong, and my heart was wrong, and I was trying to make a show out of it, and I wanted it for the wrong reasons. And Jesus goes, yeah, well, did you inquire about me? How do I make this right? Did you follow? So we don't know, right? We all hope Simon went back home, hit his knees before God, said, I'm sorry, and lived a good life. That's what we hope, but we didn't get that. But that's a false prophet. That's a pretender. Mm-hmm. That's a you, they, they want to use Jesus' name so that they can have the devil's followers' attention and the Christians' attention. You sell more records. You sell more albums. You sell more comedy they just, shows. They just want
1: your money. They
0: just, they're just extending themselves into a direction where they know people follow that. And unfortunately, it works. It still works today. These preachers that have no business in the pulpit, they have huge churches, huge followings, and they never say anything to get people to the narrow gate. You know why? They don't know where it is. Well, they never mention Jesus either. Right. They don't know no. who the gate is, so they're not taking you to the gate. They're taking right. you down the wide road because that's the only way they know it. And in their mind, they're like, well, the wide road is the Christians. So, no. The Bible mm-hmm. says the narrow road is the Christians. The, the the few that found it, that that consider it to be so such a treasure, are the Christians. So, um The Bible tells us how to avoid Mm -hmm. this being the scariest thing in the Bible. Don't be like Simon. Don't be like people today who have horrible albums or movies that uh, exalt evil and, and the ways of man and the ways of the sensuous flesh. They make all their money that way, and then they get up in their award show, and they hold the thing up and says, I just want to thank God. Now, they don't usually say, my Savior, Jesus Christ. They'll just say, I want to thank God. What they're trying to do is they're marketing themselves as a believer without actually being well, a believer.
1: <clears throat> There's only a few that actually say Savior Jesus Christ.
0: And they usually mean it, and you'll usually find everywhere they'll say that. Not just here and there. Most of them, if they use the name Jesus and Savior, they're usually born-again believers, and it's evident in their work. Mm-hmm. It's very few times... Yeah.
1: You won't notice the TV. Well, they
0: will silence. Yeah, you usually have to read it or or find it on YouTube because yeah, the TVs cut that off. They don't. They don't. That's not part of of that. Um, let's see how much uh, time we got left. Boy, this has gone by pretty quickly. Oh, wow. I know in the book of Second Corinthians, uh, you have Paul talking about uh, false uh, apostles. Uh, if you look at verse thirteen, he's talking about. Uh, men coming in behind him it says for such men are false apostles deceitful workmen Masquerading as look at that apostles of Christ Okay, he calls them false and then he says they're masquerading which means it's an act That they are apostles of Christ and no wonder for Satan himself Masquerades as an angel of light it is not surprising then if his servants Masquerade as servants of righteousness Their end will be what their actions deserve. So Christ is on. Listen, are the warnings here? The warnings are here in the Bible. If you think that you might be part of someone that's going to have to try to convince Christ to let you into heaven, you've missed it. You've missed it. It's already done. The work is done. It was his work. Um, uh, There's another
1: another one in Peter. Peter. 2 Peter chapter 2, But false prophets also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Master who brought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. That's what you read this morning. Yeah, that, that, was, that was. And really many cool will one. follow their sensuality. And because of the them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. And in their great deed, greed will they will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation for a long ago is not idle, and their destruction is not sleep.
0: Right. Yeah. So listen, I mean, scariest verse in the Bible, it's the scariest verse in the Bible. If you're trying to pretend your way through, if you are not really concerned for your eternal destiny, if you're not really concerned for your soul, if you've joined Christianity just as another world religion— Uh, If you've joined it because of a girlfriend or your mom or daddy or whatever, listen, folks, it doesn't count. Jesus Christ demands and deserves your full attention to him that you gain in his knowledge. Um, This part uh, right here where it says, uh, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Listen to this one. But only he who does the will of the Father. Now, If you were just to type in or look up, what is the will of the Father? In direct quotes in the Bible, it says, The will of the Father is this, that you believe on the Son in which he sent, right? Okay. So you can't skip Jesus. You can't skip him. If you skip that step, you did not do the will of the Father. And therefore, when you say, we did these things in your name, okay, well, did you believe in my death, burial, and resurrection on the cross? Eh, you know, we really didn't talk about that in our church. We more talked about uh, casting out demons or um, selling books or having uh, a great band on the stage or a big light show. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really was our focus, but we did it in your name, Jesus. And Jesus is just sitting there going, Did you do the will of the Father, which was to believe in me, in everything he said about me? Did you know that I was the Word made flesh? Do you know that I encompass all of the truths of the Bible? Did you know that? Yeah, well, you know, Jesus, we just really didn't have time for that. We were too busy doing things in your name. You see how this argument went. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is like, okay, well, that's not how that works. And I didn't know you, and you didn't know me. In fact, I wasn't any part of this to you. Uh, Just like Simon the sorcerer wasn't looking for forgiveness in Jesus Christ. He was looking to help his business out. And therefore, he would have been one. That's here. The Pharisees, they were all about sitting at the tables in in the front. They were all about oppressing the people. And they followed the law and no one else could. Uh, They got all the money. They had all the nice uh, uh, dress clothes. They were rich. And they were super religious. But what did they miss? They missed God. Because Jesus said, you don't even know the Father. Because if you did, you'd know me.
1: Well, in the book of Revelation, it talks about what it's like in heaven. There's no temples. No. So It's not a religion. It's not a
0: religion, and, and it talks about us being this, uh, we have this freedom to worship God. No one's going to be in heaven that doesn't appreciate what Jesus did for them. No one's going to be in heaven that doesn't know what he did for them and doesn't know that it is honoring the Father, glorifying the Father, through the Son, the Holy Spirit directs us. They, they don't. No one's going to be there. Now, they may not be able to tell you Scripture. There's going to be in peop- people in heaven that may not have ever seen a Bible. Right? Because you got to think, the world well, was illiterate well, up until just recently, so well, reading the Bible doesn't make you go to heaven. Well, no, it doesn't. We'll right. see when,
1: when Paul, Peter, the Old, New, old Testament, Moses, Listen, there was no Bible. It was just... But they were writing at the time. Right. Yeah. I mean, there was no... Paul was writing his letters. There wasn't... The Bible was not put together
0: yet. Yeah. He had the, right. the scriptures, the right. Old Testament. Uh, he had access to them. Um, but yes. So it's not about that. But it is about seeking the will of the Father. And the will of the Father is to honor the Son. Um, and then the Son tells us while he was here, the, the goal is to honor the Father. love Love... Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Encompass your whole body, mind, soul, spirit—everything that you are—you will direct that to God. And Christ did that in while He was here in human form, and then in return, after His resurrection, He returns to glory. And he's not—he's not lowly human anymore. Jesus is back, and He has been given the full right to judge. And, and this statement right here, saying that that's the scariest in the Bible, if you are afraid of that verse, then what I would do is follow what Peter said to Simon. Get on your knees and repent from your attitude towards God and Christ. Find out who he is. Uh, listen, get in the word. F- figure it out. Seek him. Go to trusted people. I would say I would steer clear of the mega church pastors. I'm just saying it because they fit into a mold that, that that verse seems to be talking about, that Simon the sorcerer was talking about, that Paul was talking about. They're masquerading as these great religious leaders that have the answers, but they don't give you the Bible and they don't give you Christ. They don't lead you to the narrow gate because they don't know where that narrow gate is or who it is or who has the authority to open that for you. And uh, true believers know that. And they may not can can say it, but I bet they'll find you somebody and lead you to somebody that can do that for you. Anything else to add for this one? We'll have to revisit this one yeah. again. That one verse in the Bible, um, which it's really a whole chapter and, and it's really the right. whole Bible. It encompasses exactly what what Jesus uh, and the apostles and even the Old Testament says. You will not fake God out. You will not fake him out. You can't buy your way into heaven. You can't uh, work your way into heaven. And you certainly can't show up to somebody. You can't show up to Jesus and go, don't you know what I did for you? That's not the right. You go to Jesus and said, thank you for what you did for me. See the two differences in those statements?
1: See, when
0: Jesus judged me, I'm just gonna. I'm telling.
1: You, for what you did for me, what it's you did—it's a complete put it back, right? Not what I did. Mm-hmm. It's about what you did. Yeah, I'm covered by your blood.
0: Right. And see, their argument was we deserve heaven because of what we did. That's the whole argument. Jesus, don't you know what we did? And I mean, he's looking, going, don't you know what I did? And the answer is, well, no. What'd you do? Right. <laughs> Okay, well, you're not saved. You're not saved unless you know what Christ did. You accept that, and you exalt him to the highest. And guess what? You're going to want him to be your king forever. I do. I would pick no one else, the one who left heaven, to become like me, to do it perfectly, and then pay for my sins, die, be humiliated, then be raised again uh, with this new body, and then go back to the Father and still talks about me, to the Father, as a mediator, I want him on my, I mean, right. I'll be under his kingship. You know why? Because I can trust him fully. Like, I trust mm-hmm. him because he's proven trustworthy far beyond <laughs> and what we hold a, a humans accountable for. And one, he can raise from the dead. <laughs> like, <I> mean, <laughs> so if I want that, I have to go to somebody that can actually do that. Right. And he's the only, he's one. The only one. He's the only one. All right, let's, uh, let's cut this one off. Thanks for tuning in on this episode. Uh, can't wait for the next one. And uh, like I said, if that verse bothers you, there's an answer for it, and it's always the same, Jesus Christ and the narrow gate. See you next time.